Around the NFL Podcast. He is ready to get hurt by the Jets again. <laughs> That's true. Money nailing it. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with just one hero. And it's Greg Rosenthal. We're going to Mike and Mad Dog this baby, Greggy. <laughs> I don't know if fill is the right word. I have been doing a few push-ups lately, so but, but I'm not sure I quite quite fill the screen. And I haven't been hurt by the Jets at all. I've pretty much enjoyed the Jets experience, you know, throughout the podcast. Oh, I know you have, Greg. I mean, it's like <laughs> it is funny because you are a respected football pundit and um you're very good at your job, but it's so easy to see like when something bad happens to the Jets, that little gleam in your eye. You love. You can't wait to talk about it. Well, part part of it was I. You know, I shared this with West too. Is I do want just teams that are watchable, and and that was one reason he couldn't get wrap his arms around the Jets. It just it's been a tough watch. No, Zach but, Wilson. We'll get to them. We're doing some winners and yeah. losers later. Zach Wilson's going to change my Jets experience. Of course, I'm All not right. going to be a Jets fan. We'll see. But if we'll make them watchable, I like I like what I see out of the we'll young see. kid. That's going to make them a much better Sunday experience. The boy who will lead them. I hope. Um, but you're right about Wes, and I couldn't blame Wes, but there is a difference. That's all. It's fine. It's just like with the Giants. It's a, You are at your heart, even though you've moved across the country, um, still a New England guy in some ways, and you don't like the New York teams, and that's okay. I think that keep keeping that's that fine. part of your fan heart alive, I don't think there's anything unhealthy about it, and I don't take offense to it. I really don't. Well, I would hope not. You threw like a three-day celebration <laughs> on the podcast when the Patriots lost to the Titans a couple of years ago. It was like, it was like sometimes a, it was like a funeral, except like a celebration. The January game where the Jets would come to Gillette to play the Pats. We wouldn't even buy tickets, but we would go and tailgate in the January weather just to watch the Jet fans crying when they left Gillette. It's well, the best time you, of the year. Well, you picked the wrong. Um, wow, and th- you wonder why people hate New England sports fans. <laughs> I was going to say, there, were, there weren't any Jets uh, playoff games where they came in and, and lost, but there They're was December, a great one December, where yeah. they came in and took care of the Patriots. So, so that would have been a bad one. Well, that was before Eric ever watched a football game. That was 2011. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lie, too. (laughs) All right. Listen, Uh, Mark's not here, as you've already noticed. Mark dealing with some unfortunate health issues. And remember, he had the clotting issue, the blood clots. uh, That popped up again this weekend. He's doing okay, uh, but he needed to get it taken care of. And the doctors basically said, chill out for a, a day or two. So we hope to have Mark back. Later in the week, but uh, don't worry, Mark's okay, but he's not with us for today's show. And by the way, send I do in good vibes, though. Send in good vibes. Send dude. out. It's like the uh, the save Ferris, put it on the water tower, save Sessler. Um, I hope he's back Wednesday because Wednesday is. Wait for it. The fourteenth annual <laughs> around the NFL fantasy extravaganza. Yes, we do it every year, end of August, because you not should not be drafting a team before the end of August. I mean, and shame on you if you do. Uh, and we're going to have all sorts. I don't know, Greg, do you want to keep it close to the vest about who our super guests are this year and just roll them out in real time? Or do we want to tease it right now? That's up to you. You let it rip. Well, we, we get the big fish every year. I think that's 
that's going to bring in the fans, and there's no reason for any big fish fans to know. I mean, to worry that he won't be there. He'll be here. He'll be. Uh, yeah, but keep fish. the rest of the surprise. We got some good ones okay. lined up okay. for sure. Good. Yes, the big fish, of course. Evan Silva, late of Roto World, uh, where he watched Greg and Wes build it brick by brick, learned like an apprentice, and then <laughs> he was made a, the he building actually even was taller. Actually, I, in fairness to Silva, he was ahead of. Um, Wes on the depth chart. He was sort of, I wouldn't say he was ever Wes's <laughs> boss, but he was there first and he helped teach him the ropes. Absolutely. All right. So that setup is perhaps unfair to Evan, but he did. <laughs> I, if you look at the brick by brick tower of Roto world, and of course now Evan has moved on with uh, Leviton to, uh, to establish the run that great site. But if, if Greg, basically if you really want to break down what Greg just did there, he said, no, Wes wasn't truly brick by brick. I was brick by brick. No, Evan and, uh, and Chris so, and I were. I'm just trying not to say that he was, you know, that Silva was some come, you know, come along lately and had to learn right. from Wes. He was there. He was. He, the brick he by, built it. You left the brick by brick place for <laughs> pro football talk, and then Silva built it higher, turned it into yeah. Oh, yeah. 1,776 feet of steel. In America, that I think that's a good way to look at it. And then they changed the name this year to NBC Sports Edge. Great, <laughs> great job. What I do not recognize that. By no, the way. I don't. Even in my Google searches, when I'm, I'm checking in, I as I make a point to uh, do a name plus Roto World search. I type in Roto World, then you know, just to let them know. It's not too late to change Roto World. We love your product. <laughs> All right. Anyway, okay, so. Fantasy Extravaganza on Wednesday. Today's show is a good one. We are going to have a special guest, the great Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic and is plugged in on all things NFL-related. He's going to sit in when we discuss our winners and losers of training camp, which ends this week. Is this the official end of training camp for NFL teams? Yeah, I mean, this will it, really the preseason week two. We'll we'll take a look back on everything that happened. But you're right, the sort of what they call training camp, where the practices are open. Some of them are already closed, and the rest of them are closing up this week. Where where the you know players can go, media can go. After this week, the, every team just like shuts it down and starts getting secretive. Right. All right. So that's coming up. We're going to do some winners and losers from training camp slash preseason week two. But before that. Some news. Beware of the dog, Mike and the Mad Dog, on Sports Radio 66, So in this scenario, I guess I'm Francesa, but you're not quite a dog. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty more much mad a Francesa. Dog. I'm more mad dog than anyone else that's ever been on this podcast. I'll take it. <laughs> You know, I like tennis. A little annoying, oh, that's true. annoying and loud and opinionated. You, whatever you say is not going to bother me. I'll, I'll take, I'll take, take Chris Russo. I'll gladly take that. All right, cool. Mark might not be happy with that. He might want to be mad, Doug. I mean, right? You guys, you guys grew up on it, but I, I, um, I had a, a couple years driving every day up to Roto World, you know, to go back to the brick building uh, from the city couple times a week, and I mean, I'd plan it around Mike and the Mad Dog, so I, I have right. my time with that. And then kid. every Super Bowl week, we have Russo on the show, Mad Dog, and the listeners are like, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. Why do they <laughs> like him so much? And it's like, it's not for you. It's for us. And it will happen again <laughs> this January, God willing. All right, let's get into the news, starting with a very positive 
update on the Carson Wentz front for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the veteran quarterback returned to practice on Monday, three weeks after surgery to remove a broken bone from his left foot. He took all of the first team reps in seven on seven work, said he's optimistic he could return for the Colts ahead of their week one game against the Seahawks. Uh, Wentz told reporters after the practice, I'm optimistic, but we'll see how it responds. As long as there's nothing I can do to make it worse. I played through a lot worse. Uh, Greg, there was also some clips out there on Twitter. The guy was moving around like he did not have any surgery at all. It feels like now, barring a setback, Carson Wentz will be their starter week one, right? What was what was this five to twelve week prognosis? I guess you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the, well, the Colts keep pushing back and saying we have to keep ramping it up and see how he responds. So it's too early to be as optimistic as which the... is fine until you watch that clip today and you right. see the way he's moving and you see that he took every rep and it's like. It's there. I mean, this is great news if you're an indie fan. And Quentin Nelson, their all-pro guard, was back at practice who had the exact same injury, the exact same surgery, and he's ramping up. It sounds like you were smart, Dan, to uh, to avoid the whole Jacob Eason Ellinger, uh, Sam Ellinger fiasco, because oh, I, I made a mistake. I, I was literally in bed on Saturday night. <laughs> um, you know, it's, a, it's close to bedtime. E- Emika's reading and whatnot, and I'm... That's that's I when I put it. on the old Eason Ellinger comparison. That's and, what you uh, do on Saturday night. You're in you're well, in bed like with 10, your wife. But at that point, like it was yeah, you know, bedtime. Ellinger time. Normally, we might be reading or whatever, but yeah, it was it was close to going to bedtime. It was the Ellinger Eason Eason time, and I'll give you the short short version. They both didn't play that well, uh, so that, that was the short yeah, version. Yeah, they <clears throat> both had a chance to um, to leave an impact. And I think when I was pushing back against the idea of getting too invested in that um, quarterback battle. Uh, I don't know if it was you or Mark, but you, you rightly, you guys rightly pushed back. Well, Wentz has str- struggled historically to stay on the field. So even if he did make it back, it still matters who their backup quarterback is. Uh, but then you could push back that and say, listen, if Carson Wentz ends up getting seriously hurt again, it's over anyway, unless um, Ellinger turns out to be Aaron Rodgers, like the owner said a couple weeks ago. But the big picture here is Wentz being ahead of schedule. Yeah, the 5-12 to 12 week thing was funky from the very beginning, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised that it ended up having a weird turn. Um, but um, I'm excited because the AFC South needs all the juice it can get. Uh, and having Carson Wentz there and Quentin Nelson there is a huge step forward. And when you look at that division and who's the favorite, which I think the Titans are, but if the Colts have these players ready, uh, it changes things for sure. Yeah, that's why it, it gets tricky, like projecting too far out. I remember doing, I did a Seattle like radio station thing like the day after this first Wentz news came out, and they're just like, we're going to roll in week one. You know, they were already looking ahead to <laughs> yep. week one that the Colts are coming to Seattle. And I, you know, I would give the Seahawks a good chance in that game no matter what, but it, it changes a lot. It'll continue to change. We still, as, as close as the season feels, this is always the longest month, I think, of the NFL calendar. We're still, we're still three weeks away. I mean, yesterday would have been three weeks away from the first Sunday of the year. That's still a while. So you know, yeah. get in your family time. Do what you can. The the one fewer week of preseason games helps uh, for me because it always Beautiful. felt just interminable, the the four weeks and then the five if you count the Hall of Fame game. Um, I don't want to get sidetracked here. I do have a overall preseason takeaway. I guess we could save that for the segment, though. In other news, Cam Newton, you get the jab. The jab. Moratorium on jab talk, remember? 
Connor thought, Orr on the I show last week. I thought we're out on saying the jab. We don't say the jab. Anyway, Cam Newton has an issue. He won't be allowed in the Pats facility until Thursday after what he deemed a COVID-19 test misunderstanding. He left the region of New England uh, for a medical appointment, um, but because he did not follow the correct protocol um, for um, being out of the region, he now has to stay away from the team uh, for the next several days, which is very bad timing for Cam. I mentioned the jab thing because because of... uh, it tells us that Cam Newton is not vaccinated because he has to follow this different, stricter protocol. Uh, and that's disappointing um, for the Patriots because they're trying to figure out who their quarterback is. And if you're Cam Newton and you know you're in a, a real battle here with Mac Jones and the, I feel like the preseason, and you tell me, Greg, has been pretty neck and neck, disappearing for most of a week inside three weeks of the season, not great. I mean, if Cam Newton loses his starting job because of the COVID protocols, is so stupid, so annoying. The, I found it really interesting. The, it's the just Patriots, opportunity, though. Right? No, no, it's. It, I'm not putting any blame on yeah. uh, the protocols. I'm just saying, like, are you serious, man? Um, the Patriots put out the statement. They seem to take the responsibility for it, which I found interesting. They really go out of their way to always back Cam. They that, love they, Cam. Essentially, they really they, they they pointed out that they approved. He was allowed to leave, that he took tests the whole time he was gone, and they seemed and it's not like he tested positive or anything. They seemed to take responsibility that somewhere they didn't really understand the protocols or the rules that he was required because they were like, we got the test. He was taking the test while he was off site, but something happened along the way. They messed it up. He's already served two of those days, I guess, that he was away and he'll be back uh, on Thursday. But that's huge. Mac Jones was awesome this weekend. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's neck and neck, and, and Cam had a great quarter, but Mac Jones has done everything possible to put as much pressure on Cam Newton. I think they want to start Cam Newton week one. I think they will start Cam Newton week one because he's played well enough to keep the job. They want to see what the running game is like with Cam Newton. That's definitely an asset. I think Mac Jones's knee might be a little bit of an issue. Looked pretty awkward there during part of that game, and that mm. that's another reason to sit him. But there are these joint practices this week and I was wondering, are they going to want to play Mac Jones with the starters? Because I kind of want to see that. They haven't really done that. They haven't done it in practice. It's been a little under the radar. I mean, Gardner Minshew's gotten way, way more first-team reps than Mac Jones has. It's it's pretty much been Cam with the ones, Mac Jones with the twos. So now that changes up uh, in a big week leading well, up Gardner to the, the a warrior. dress rehearsal. Yeah. If you got a warrior on your team, you got to make sure he's getting all those reps. I have a conspiracy theory that these NFL COVID rules, if you don't have the GAB, uh, Byzantine by design. Make it as hard as possible on these guys and these teams so people have to go get the shot. Just a theory. Can't back Jones, but for what it's worth, also, you know, was not wanting to talk about the vaccine as Cam was not uh, weeks ago. So who knows? That might be a, a risky quarterback room. We'll see. I know. Ooh, that's a, that's a good call. Uh, in other COVID news, by the way, Mike Vrabel, the coach of the Tennessee Titans, uh, he is in um, the COVID protocol. I believe he tested positive, Rabel? He did, yeah. So he's vaccinated, he is, of course, because he's required to as a coach. Right. So he's away from the team um, and hopefully will be back um, after a minimum stay on that designated uh, COVID list. So it's just, you know, just get ready for it. It's going to happen throughout this season, and you just hope it doesn't take away 
superstars off the table. You hope people don't get seriously ill, but thankfully, at least for the vaccinated um, people uh, in this country and around the world, you have a much better chance of avoiding a serious illness um, if you are vaccinated, which makes you think maybe you should be vaccinated, but ah, let me just move on. (laughs) Nice, fun report. This is more like the type of uh, news item we'd really sink our teeth into about a month ago. Uh, But since it's out there, we'll talk about it. Khalil Mack, one of the biggest blockbuster trades of the last decade when the Raiders sent the former first-round pick to the Bears for a buttload of draft picks. Uh, He's had a nice run with Chicago, uh, but the Raiders' defense has never been able to really recover without Mack in the middle of their defense and the Athletics' Vic Defer. Did we say Taffer? What did we decide on that? Friend of he the, was show. On the show. Yeah. Defer, I went to Fur. I don't know. What, friend. We never found the end. I mean, <laughs> just call him Vic. Uh, Vic reports that the Raiders inquired about Khalil Mack's availability this offseason. Uh, Gruden yes. reportedly cried for three days after trading his superstar, wanted him back to fix the Raiders' pass rush, uh, but the Bears were not interested in making music. I just find this story hilarious. Like the little details. You know, Vic, Vic has some. Good uh, Raiders nuggets every uh, once in a while. The athletic, the athletics coverage in general is, is great with the Raiders, and the fact that he said Gruden would keep this award that he won from the Sloan Analytics Conference that they gave to the Raiders for the transaction of the year when they traded Khalil Mack was a great little <laughs> was a great <laughs> little detail to me. But clearly, he doesn't view it as the transaction of the year because you look at what they've done since they haven't had any pass rushers. They spent a ton of money. All the draft picks that they got and most of the money that they spent. We're on players that didn't work out ultimately. Yep. That's kind of the whole thing. Sometimes <laughs> you wonder if you're a Raiders fan, at least like has Gruden lost the plot? Has he never even had a, a true plot here? And then you see a report like that. It just seems like they're spinning their wheels a little this bit. Was Ricky, pre, this was pre Mayock. And he really makes it sound like Mac, you know, didn't want to come back and this and that. And like, but it was an emotional move. That was a mistake. They gave Derek Carr and Gabe Jackson their money before they gave Khalil Mack a contract. They were all in the same draft class. Like the fact that that happened was a huge mistake. Ricky, do you have an update on the Vic situation? Uh, I'm trying to find the the text, but it was so long ago. But I think, you know, there was some either either way you were saying it was wrong. And then he texted me and was like, oh, FYI, just so you know. Um, uh, ooh, but a little bit one of those things. Okay. But can't confirm which, which All right, one is Get right. back to us if you could figure okay. it out. Uh, in other news, Darius Smith, the uh, star linebacker for the Packers, could potentially miss week one, uh, according to Packers coach Matt LaFleur. Um, he has been dealing with a back injury, uh, always tricky back injuries, of course. Um, but uh, it seems that the Packers are open to the idea of either protecting Smith and, and ramping him up more slowly with a long season ahead, including hopefully a deep playoff run. Or the other way to look at it, of course, Greg, is there might be something wrong here in a more substantial way. I guess we'll find out. They need him. You know, he came off the non-football injury list like a week ago. And the fact that then they're saying this now publicly indicates mm. something is didn't going great. Uh, they lost, you know, they haven't had Kyle Fackrell. They're just not that deep, I think, uh, in terms of their edge rusher. Rashawn Gary will uh, be a Gary. bigger factor for them this year in general. But uh, that's that's significant when two of maybe their best five players, Zadaria Smith and David Bakhtiari, might miss the start of the season. That that is notable. 
In other injury news, uh, the Jets, officially I saw it on ESPN.com. It's just like, come on, does it have to be this way? The headline is injury plague Jets lose another uh, starter on defense. This time it's linebacker Jared Davis who signed uh, away from the Lions in the offseason, a one-year deal, an important guy in a rebuild linebacking group under Robert Sala. Well, he suffered an ankle injury. Uh, Robert Sala said it's not a high ankle sprain, but it's going to be treated like a high ankle sprain, which is like, I guess it's kind of a high ankle sprain. Uh, They (laughs) hope to have him back around the bye week, which is week six. So uh, that is a very thin group and a very unproven group and a lot's being asked of C.J. Mosley, who's missed two years to play in the middle of that defense. So within 24 hours or 36 hours, the Jets lost – of course, Carl Lawson, their star edge rusher, and then Jared Davis, a guy that the team is very high on having a bounce back after a disappointing run with Detroit. Uh, tough, and it's just going to be such a challenge uh, for Sala to make this defense okay because the back end is poor or it's it looks poor on paper. You need that uh, pressure up front. You need the linebackers to cover, and if you're going to be thin in both those areas, it's going to be extremely difficult to stay competitive. I thought the Jets made a lot of great offseason moves. Jared Davis was one of the most surprising free agent signings. You know, he really struggled in Detroit. But you're right, Salas. I don't know. He's got a lot of he's got a lot on his plate to make them good in the front seven because I think they're counting on their defense to be solid. I think that was the basis of this team, and it's been a, a very annoying couple of weeks. Or really, last week. Is this the part where I have the gleam in my eye? I mean, you. You're, I you think, think because I'm I, not, Jared I, Davis really doesn't get the motor running. No, in the same but way. I think. Um, the fact that I kind of called it out at the beginning of the show, you're trying to have a nice poker face here, but I still see it. There's a gleam, gentlemen. Uh, in other injury news, A.J. McCarron tore his ACL um, in the they Falcons a preseason game. A really tough break for McCarron, who's obviously out for the year, and now Atlanta has nobody at all proven behind Matt Ryan, who's been an Ironman in his career, but he's also entering his, or now into his mid-30s. So that's an issue for the Falcons. And finally, 19 in a row for the Baltimore (laughs) Ravens. The preseason streak that won't end. It can't end. Can they be beat? No fucking way. That's right. 20 to three over the Panthers who couldn't even compete. They said, yeah, we have a brand new quarterback and Sam Darnold trying to learn an offense. We're just going to play him one series because why do we even want to be around the Ravens right now? This is the biggest sports story no one's talking about. You you have really taken it and made it your own. You know, with the trailer, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that last time. And yeah, it puts it puts a lot into this week's game. You know, people so much because there's no fourth week of the preseason, and because they've now tied the all time record with the Green Bay Packers, 19 straight preseason wins, one of the most storied records in sports. You know, this is a big deal. This is this is exactly what the NFL was looking for uh, mm-hmm. in the preseason. A lot of national attention, and uh, I'm glad we're we're able to give it. Absolutely, and uh, you know that's a perfect segue. That's what's happening in the news uh, to bring on our guest today because on his Twitter profile, it's his name, Arif Hassan, comma preseason enthusiast. Wow. So let's welcome him on the show. First of all, what's up, Arif? Welcome. Hey, what's uh, going on? Around the NFL podcast. You have to be humming 
over this Baltimore Ravens streak. Oh, Just incredible. Your thought process. I mean, you love to see it happen. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of uh, UConn women's basketball, that streak. <laughs> um, just uh, – I, I honestly, I'm tearing up a little bit just thinking about the day that the Titan will fall. You know, it's it's going to be tough. But, you know, in order for the streak to have meaning, it has to end at some point. Otherwise, you know, historically, what you know, what does it mean? Right. True, so, though. We could get a lot of buzz, though, throughout the whole season if they can get to 20. That's a nice round number. Oh, you have the yeah, whole year build absolutely. up until next. And they're I just checked they're playing their you know, local rivals, the Washington football team. And some teams, I would say even maybe most teams this preseason, not taking it too seriously. You know, one of the teams that that do put out their starters for a nice chunk of time might have Ryan Fitzpatrick playing that whole first half. There is nothing that Ron Rivera would love to do more than to take down his uh, his local rivals. For sure. A a 20th preseason game that matters. Yeah, I 100% agree. Well, you say that the streak has to end for it to truly matter, and I like that from like a philosophical standpoint. But then you think about head coaches in the NFL and the egos on these guys. Um, John Harbaugh, it, the way you look at this is, oh, it's a reflection on the organization and the coaching and the attention to detail and why everything matters. It's really uh, sh- the shine is on the coach more than the players. So you think that Harbaugh wants to maybe do this until he retires. I mean, it, this could go next level and i'm really excited to see what happens next. yeah for sure for sure and i mean it makes the most sense in the world that the person that holds this streak is also a former special teams coordinator right uh, who best to connect with the depth players that mm. you know populate the preseason um all right so arif thank you for joining us and we're <laughs> nice talking to you all right there goes Arif. <laughs> <laughs> no we want to talk some training camp slash preseason uh winners and losers and um how about this you're our guest Reef. do you want you can go any direction you want we know you cover the vikings beautifully for the athletic if you want to start with them you can do that if you want to go somewhere else what is something that's kind of caught your eye as training camp kind of wraps up here in august Sure. Well, the stuff that's like kind of interesting to me to the Vikings probably just doesn't like matter league wide. So um, I'll talk about some of the stuff around the league that uh, is catching my eye. I think the first round offensive linemen um, have had a really rough go of it this preseason. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about Panay Sewell. Right. And, you know, there's all the reasons in the world that it wouldn't make sense for him to, you know, come out of the gate with with, you know, all the cylinders running. But, you know, right tackle, he's having a lot of trouble there. It's been a year since he's played, you know, football. But, you know, uh, neither Elijah Tucker or Christian Derrissaw have seen the field yet. Right. So that's that's a pretty big concern. Um, I I, I guess maybe the, the best one so far has been Alex Leatherwood, which is funny, kind of considering the draft conversations right. around him and the Raiders pick of him. And then Slater, uh, he's got like some back issues or something, but he, he didn't participate in week two. Uh, and so it's just like maybe we're spoiled, right? Because last year's first round offensive linemen were fantastic even in the preseason, right? I don't think we got a bunch of Mickey Beckton, if I remember correctly, in the preseason. But, you know, we saw a bunch of really great Tristan Did Works. Did you call back. him Mickey? Like Isn't that. it Mecky? Am I Mackay? But I like Mickey. Mackay? Oh, Mickey maybe it is. Yeah. No, you. We don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I know, but Mackay sounds cooler though. I gotta. Yeah, we've gotta, always gotten. We've gotten. I'll start Mackay. doing that until I'm correct. Ricky, yeah. check on that now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, last year, I mean, they were, uh, Jedrick Wills was doing well in the preseason. Took a little bit of time to get going in the regular season, but had a really strong going. It was really only Andrew Thomas, right, that we were worried about early on. Um, so this year's first round offensive linemen haven't 
indicated that they're worth the investment yet. Maybe, maybe all of them will be, maybe none of them will be. I don't know. But, you know, th- this is what preseason takes are for, worried about first-round offensive linemen. So that stood out. But those are some of the most important rookies on any teams because oh yeah, they were all drafted with the idea. It's like, oh, that problem solved. Like, don't need Charles Leno anymore. You know, you, you didn't mention oh, yeah. Taven Jenkins. But, you know, he's out. We talked about him a lot last week. We haven't talked about Panay Sewell on this show. And, uh, you know, our, our frenemy... Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is going to get into podcasting this year. So keep a, a lookout oh. on that. He noticed um, your job. Wow. Sewell, Sewell just does not look comfortable. And you don't need to be like a former scout like Jeremiah to see that. And it does get you thinking like you, you draft this guy number seven overall. He's such an important part. And then you just change his positions. Like he's never played right tackle. You oh, put yeah. him at right tackle because you have. Um, Taylor Decker at left tackle, but that, that always worries me. I know it kind of worked, it worked for Jedrick Wills, but it's not going to work for everyone. And you're right. Of all those guys, I think Slater's the one that, that the chargers aren't worried about. They seem to think he looks great and they're just keeping anyone that possibly matters out of the preseason. But for the rest of those teams, like that is, that is huge. All right, yeah, how about it, you? It sounds like the Bengals couldn't have made the, the right choice there, right? Because Jamar Chase isn't looking good. All right. Well, let me jump in then. Cause I, I you know, I didn't want to, Dwell on this because we have hit this a couple times on the show. Uh, what's going on with Jamar Chase, who is struggling in his first camp uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, actually, hit pause here because I want to. I want to say something positive about the Bengals first, okay? Because okay, little it's been it's been relentlessly negative uh, on the show because there's just yeah, been a lot sure. of bad news. Uh, this from your your colleague um, Paul Denner Jr. at the Athletic. Has kicker Evan McPherson enjoyed the best camp in preseason by a rookie kicker since Lou Groza in 1946? I don't know. And I don't know if Groza even kicked a training camp the year after World War II ended, but I can't imagine anybody being better than McPherson over the last month. The only kick he has missed that the media has been able to see was a 60-yarder in the FanFest event. That's it. He's destroying the ball. Accurately, Ooh, little wow. kicker corner, little kicker corner wow. buzz. Dude, he hit a plus fifty in the game. Austin Siebert has been good too, but not well, as good. I'm, as I'm, I'm glad to hear frozen. about the one one miss because as a as someone who follows the Vikings, I know how dangerous it is to be perfect <laughs> for an entire session. Oh, listen, no no Gary Anderson <laughs> references on the show. People aren't prepared for it if you're a Vikings fan. Anyway, so there's the good news. They have they have a positive kicking competition um, in special teams. But the Jamar chasing. So not only does he struggle chase throughout the lead up to this weekend, then in the preseason game he drops three targets in the in the game against Washington on Friday. Then on Sunday, um, he's in practice, and Burrow's just putting it on him, and he has a couple more drops, and he's doing the thing where he's got the towel over his head, and there's just a lot of mental stuff going on. And then uh, there's a report, again, from Denner, that Jamar Chase could lose some regular season snaps to Auden Tate, uh, the in-house uh, receiver they have there. So I'm not ringing the alarm bell because he, he did miss all of last season when he opted out and he, he could be rusty, but you just, you were hoping at some point he's going to turn the corner here and now it's becoming more and more of a story. And uh, if we're talking winners and losers, uh, not that Jamar Chase is a loser, but this is a losing scenario right now right. for Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. I don't want to, I mean, because like, so for his teammate at LSU, Justin Jefferson, right. Um, you know, he outproduced Justin Jefferson at LSU. You think, well, one to one, maybe, maybe he'll, you know, continue to do well. But you also have to remember Jefferson didn't win the starting job coming out of camp 
uh, as a Viking. You know, he didn't start the first two games. And I don't think it's like a case of Mike Zimmer being like stubborn. He did not look that spectacular camp. Didn't look as like, I guess, as bad as Chase is, is currently looking, but did not look um, like he clearly won the starting job from BC Johnson, who right now is like fifth or sixth on the Vikings receiver depth chart. And so uh, coming out of camp, like it, it was like kind of a story. Like, are we going to get anything out of him, you know, this year? Um, or, right. or are we going to have to wait? So I keep that in mind, you know, the, the kind of the preseason stuff, the early stuff, you know, it, it matters, but maybe not as much as, uh, as we like to pretend, even for me, a preseason enthusiast, you know, I have to, I have <laughs> no to remember way. that when, when people go to games, they pay to go to, uh, that, that uh you know th- these things don't always translate but it, I mean, it sounds they're like they're charging full price for these games they're charging full oh, price to watch uh sure. nathan wow. peterman versus uh who was it bryce hopkins what is I... <laughs> like it that drives me crazy <laughs> uh the fans well this is all right let me just before this. we go to you greg for your yeah. first winner and loser i just want to say the preseason i don't know man i i think we're in a, a dicey time right now they've cut it from four to three and more and more teams are resting the starters. And then you have, and I'll use an, as an example, um, as I often do, I'll use the Jets. Zach Wilson performed very well uh, this weekend, uh, but he wasn't going against any Packers starters. So it's like, I don't know what to really take out of that. He He's getting reps on the field in live action, but is he really getting a true experience ahead of week one against starters? And then you see what happens to A.J. McCarron, who blows out his knee. And then you look, you think about Sean McVay, who's like, as long as I'm ever a coach here, no one's ever going to be playing in the preseason starters. And if this is going to continue to just devolve into this, these are just the backups and uh, there's no structure to it. A, they need to revisit how much fans are getting charged for the, these games. And B, you just wonder if it's eventually five years from now, it's just going to be all uh, scrimmages and, uh, you know, inter-squad practices. And if that's what this is going to turn into, because I feel like we're in this like gray area in a way that, is even more extreme than it used to be. Well, people, yeah, I think thought, okay, well, we cut it down one. That solves that question. But no, like, you know, Goodell said for years how it's such a bad product. It, changing it from four to three hasn't changed that. And to your point, you're right, Dan. If you think about who are the coaches that are playing guys, and this is where I don't think there's a right answer. Like, it's Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. And it's like the two of the greatest coaches of all time. They think that playing football helps you to play football, you know, right. that it helps you get better at playing football that, you know, playing some football help. Yeah, that was, but, that was really good. Not to say that one side is correct or the other one, but let me use I, this I, phrase I, that I makes it very clear what I, and those are two I of the, the oldest like coaches in the league as well. Right. I mean, the it's, oldest, a, so it might be yeah. a generational thing. I, there has to be value in it, but there obviously is uh, value in the other side and that you can get the work uh, in the practices. I, I don't know if, eventually the entire league is going to be like that, but you're right. It's, it's a tough go. It's a tough go to, to, to draw anything. Well, let's bring up Zach Wilson. Since if I'll throw out him as a winner though, because nice. I don't know, especially the way camp started with him, you know, you, you, the practice reports were up and down. The scrimmage reports were up and down and he just looks comfortable. I didn't know what to draw out of his first game. Not that there was anything bad to it, but it was just really basic. And it, and some defenses stay really basic in the preseason and some are not some are running all sorts of complicated blitzes like the whole time because that's like their base defense and that's just what they want to do and Zach Wilson hasn't played a defense like that or played starters but I think the way he moves in the pocket and the way he's going through progressions and the way that he just looks comfortable back there he certainly passes the eye test and I think that is what preseason can be good for 
that it's given him and the coaching staff more confidence in how he is going to enter the season. I am excited to watch the New York Jets. It's been <laughs> it's been a while, at least just as an entertaining All team right, because because I'm into quarterbacks and Zach Wilson. So far, I think had a really positive preseason. Good offensive line, good receivers, interesting yeah. quarterback, good interior defensive line. Honestly, I mean that's that's an interesting team to follow. Um, Wilson, the thing that jumps out to me, and by the way, I'm in now, Greg. Uh, Arif, you should know I'm a Jets fan. Um, I am. I was. I was trying to sit out the Zach Wilson hype period because uh, I was hurt by Sam Darnold and Browning Nagel and everyone in between. Um, <laughs> but now I'm all in because he just looks so free and easy and confident. And I just like the way he, I don't know, man, I'm starting to feel like maybe they hit on something here, but again, going back to my point, who knows, maybe he's just going against a bunch of future UPS drivers and bouncers. And this isn't anything to get excited about, but he has looked very good. All right. Back to you. Arif. Um, he kind of took the Zach Wilson one away from me, honestly. Yeah. Well, do you have a add on Zach? I certainly won't stop you. Well, no, I, I I think that point about the defense is good because you can contrast Zach Wilson with, say, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, who have had some really fantastic moments in the preseason thus far, some really great moments that can get you excited about them, with moments where you're like, well, they are playing a more complicated defense, and, man, Fields looked blinkered uh, trying to figure out kind of what that blitz situation was. I saw there was a healthy debate on Twitter about who that was on, but, I mean, at the end of the day, um, unblocked defender is coming for you. You have to do something about it. You have to see it, right? He got um, cracked in that game. Absolutely. In, in, um, in a moment that had to freak out Bears fans. Oh, yeah. I, I have to imagine, for sure. Uh, and, you know, he's, like, famously a fairly tough player coming out of college. So, it, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, he'll just kind of use this to, to learn and, and move on. But it kind of looks like he's not ready. Trey Lance, um, you know, his high highs are really great. They're really fun. Some of his best moments, he's got, like, there's not even a defender within eight yards, much less three yards of him. And he's just firing off a deep one to a wide open, which is what Shanahan's great at, right? A wide open tight end down the field or something. Um, but then there are other moments where you're like, well, he's kind of slow. He's not kind of getting kind of what he needs, to, especially the beginning of this, this, this week two game that he had. Um, so you contrast that with Zach Wilson, who's maybe not facing the same challenges defensively as his other two were. But you at least get to see kind of what that floor might be for him. That's really exciting to see. Um yeah, I mean that's that's what I get to add on to, and I also got to throw in that discussion about about Fields and uh, and Lance in there too. So I guess I guess I got my piece in. Well, let's. I want to say though that Jimmy G would be one of my followers in, in a strange way, which is that it really feels like Kyle Shanahan wants Trey Lance to win this job yeah. week one, which is yeah. which is what I kind of felt uh, coming into camp. We've talked about it. I agree with you, Arif. I think the second. Trey Lance game, but it's pretty similar to the first had a lot of things to be a little concerned about, you know, holding the ball, um, just not being able to read things, seeing, seeming a little tight for most of that uh, performance until he gets into the two minute drill. But then you look at like the drives that he's put, he's played 14 drives in the last two weeks. And it really feels like Shanahan's trying to set him up to win the job. And then after the game, he refuses to, to say Jimmy <laughs> G is the week one starter. So I don't know. Who's a winner and loser here? Like clarity, I guess is is the loser here. But it feels like if well, it he costs wants a lot Trey more Lance, to to trade for someone who might start than somebody who right. won't, right? If he wants J- Trey Lance to win the job, then it's then Trey Lance is going to win the job. Maybe it won't be week one, but I, I don't know. Like I don't think Trey Lance has shown enough that you just give it to him. But it looks like that's what Kyle Shanahan wants to happen. Uh, let me move to the defending AFC champions. Um, I. 
you know, I, I feel I have this feeling and it's not bold or brave on any level that Patrick Mahomes is going to drop a major season for the ages this year. Um, just with a better line and still has these superstars around him and just how talented he is like master of his craft type season coming up uh, 50 touchdown type season. If he stays healthy. Now the other side of the ball is the only thing that's going to stop him. And I just think you keep on reading about Chris Jones uh, and how good he looks and the shape he's in and how he's been completely dominant uh, in practices and preseasons and preseason. I'm, I'm just wondering like how good, uh, can the Chiefs defense be? Because it's one of those situations where it just needs to be okay, right? So if you have somebody like Jones delivering a monster season, that can carry you to okay almost single-handedly. Right? Yeah, feels like, he feels like a great defensive player of the year pick. for what, I don't know what the odds are, but whatever it is, he feels like he would be a nice one because I'm sure he's not one of the few favorites. But yeah, him playing at defensive end and everything you hear, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think they've got like some really interesting pieces there. I mean, like Lugarius Sneed had a really great rookie year last season. Didn't get to play the full season, but had a really great rookie year last season. Looked pretty good in the preseason. So they've got some pieces on defense that that'll allow them to kind of, I guess, make it impossible for other offenses to keep pace. I guess is the goal here for for the Chiefs defense. So yeah, pretty excited about that. I had the I have- Chiefs written down as a, one of the winners, too, uh, or something related to the Chiefs, which was, which was the Chiefs running game. The Chiefs do give us something. They get, do give the preseason enthusiasts something. They show a lot in the preseason. And mm. their running game this preseason has been very diverse, like mixing in a lot of extra stuff. I like what I've seen out of Jarek McKinnon. I'm kind of a sucker for him. He did not <laughs> look ever uh, healthy in San Francisco last year. Uh, but supposedly from everyone who's watched practice every day, he showed up there and has been a difference maker and he looks good on the field. And so I think the Chiefs running game, they, they keep saying in practice, it's all about these long, slow drives because that's what defenses are going to give to Patrick Mahomes. And so I, I think their running game could be could be better this year. Give them a winner. Do you um, are you curious at all? The actual odds for defensive player of the year? Sure. Yeah. All right. I don't even know where this is coming from, and it doesn't really matter. I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about this. Um, but all the usual suspects, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, back-to-back. Dad's proud. Chase Young, Khalil Mack. So that's the top eight. And then, man, Derwin James, plus 2,500. Ooh, I like now that. That's, that's, that's pie in the sky, but I, I guess yeah, I can see it. That's fun. And then rounding out the top 10 is uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't even see Chris Jones on this list. So maybe a nice long, long. Yeah, Chris Jones, Daniel Hunter. There's some pretty good values to have on the field, right? (laughs) That's, that's interesting. Uh, Do you have another one, uh, Arif? Uh, Yeah, sure. Let's, I mean, a couple of defensive players I wanted to talk about. Uh, Malik McDowell had a really good game uh, this past week. And, you know, he's been, he's had so much trouble, you know, since the Seahawks acquired him. I mean, uh, he had an ATV accident that put him on the, on the reserve oh, list. That's he, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's just been such a rough go for him. Um, he was picked in the second round. He was super talented, probably could have been picked in the first round, honestly. Um, but injuries from the accident prevented him from, from ever kind of seeing the field with the Seahawks, um, ended up with like, he had a couple of alcohol struggles too. It's, it's really tough. Uh, ended up getting arrested for buying stolen property. Just like a, a brutal, brutal uh, couple of years for him. Had a great preseason with the Browns who really need uh, some sort of pass rushing interior mm. help to go along with with Miles Garrett. So uh, that game was really good for him. Uh, it would be fun for him to make the roster. I, it's so easy to cheer for stories like that for somebody who's who's been down on their luck. 
uh, and and to find you know hopefully that you know that's that's going to be a great organization for for him to find support within because he looked really great and I kind of hope that that turns mm. around for him. So I'm going to call him a preseason winner. Look at that going deep. I like I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to go um, on the Cowboys linebackers. I do want to get this in that I'm going to go fallers. I don't know. Losers feel, feels harsh, but uh, it is well, wild. You, that, you're the one that said we should do the segment. And you said a, areas of concern. That's true. Yeah, that's true. All <laughs> right. And fallers All right here's, the, here's, the, yeah. here's the losers. It's, it's Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh. Like this, this has been my corner since, since the draft, but I can't believe it happened so quickly. They are backups. They are backups. Jalen Smith is one of the highest paid linebackers in the league. Leighton Van Der Esch was a first round pick who had one of the better rookie linebacker seasons of the last decade has not been the same since they are backups to Michael Parsons and Keanu Neal. Like the, the switch has already happened. It's apparently it's happened for two straight weeks. Michael Parsons is starting at middle linebacker over Van Der Esch and Keanu Neal, who came with Dan Quinn from Atlanta is starting over Jalen Smith. I, I'm at the point where I kind of expect Jalen Smith to be traded or cut maybe because that feels like a problem. He's one of the biggest vocal leaders on that team. I don't, I don't think that'll happen with Vanderesh, but I'm just kind of amazed and happy that they're like the Cowboys just made the move. They're not, they are not messing around. These are, two aren't they veterans. winners in a way? Cause I mean, that's depth for you now. You have sure. a bunch of guys. That the you Cowboys could be winners. I mean, yeah. they're great at that position. They have other positions they maybe could have used to upgrade, but Micah Parsons looks so good. No one is going to, is going to say that was a bad pick. That's for sure. That's a good one. I like that. Um, because Mark's not here, let me bring up Jake Funk, the rookie seventh round pick of the Rams. 56 <laughs> yards yeah. on seven carries uh, uh, this weekend. So he he's making progress. Xavier Jones also in the mix. Remember, it's Daryl Henderson who's the starter for the Rams at running back uh, after the season-ending uh, Achilles tear for Cam Akers. Uh, but maybe Funk is bringing the funk to that running back room. That's for you, Mark Sessler. Arif, you got one more before we say goodbye? Yeah, how about the uh, Buffalo pass rush? I think that was an area where they could have used a lot of help last year. I mean, I mean, it was a really good team offense and defense, but you know, they they relied on a lot of blitzes from like AJ Klein to in order to finally get their pressure. Uh, and you know, Jerry Hughes is up there in age, and and so uh, you know, they've they've gotten a couple of pass rushers in the past two drafts, and AJ Epinesa and Gregory Rousseau, both of whom have looked really good rushing off the edge this preseason. You know, we talked about how rough it was for Penny Sewell. Well, one of the players he was up against was Gregory Rousseau. Um, who ended up having uh, a really good game. So uh, if both, and honestly, I didn't really like either of these picks by the Bills. I thought Rousseau was overrated. I thought Epinesa was overrated. Uh, happy to eat my words because they both, at least so far, look really, really good. Bills are scary. I had written that down too. Like that was the, the biggest concern, I think, of the entire team coming into training camp. And now they have these two young guys. That's another, like preseason can't have value. People think it doesn't have any value. Like, I am much higher on their pass rush now because Greg Rousseau looks like a great pick and Epinesa, who was not good last year, didn't play much. Uh, looks like he's kind of taking a second year leap. Like the Colts pass rush is similarly uh, a group I'm a little higher on now than I was going in into camp. Quiddy Pay, supposedly their rookie, supposedly had a really good camp. Ben Bonagu, a second round oh, pick, yeah. has like done nothing uh, in his career. Looks like he's flashing a little, and they needed those guys to step up. They decided to kind of get rid of a bunch of veterans and have the young guys step up and draft pay. So far, it looks like it's working. So it's like you, you can you can learn things as a preseason enthusiast. Well, how about this? I mean, preseason matters to Mitch Trubisky. How about oh, Mitch, yeah. <laughs> who <laughs> goes against his old team, 
torches them. Four straight touchdown drives to start the game. 20 to 28, 220 and a touch in the first half. I don't know. I still don't know how Brian, Brian Dable didn't get a job. But if he turns Mitch Trubisky into a functional NFL player, at least a really good backup uh, this season. I mean, the Bills are just so well set up um, at every level, especially if they make that jump. It's the best. In their it's the best. Rush. I think this has a chance to be the best AFC East since since I've been on the job at least, like the last decade yeah. and a half. Yeah. When's the last chance? Maybe when, maybe we'll be wrong, but I like really what, it's been a bad division or so. Maybe I'll tell you when's the last time the AFC East was truly competitive across the board, like all the way around, across, like across the board, like late nineties when right. you had the bills, uh, the jets with parcels, the, the Patriots with Bledsoe, uh, and the dolphins all at that time, it was kind of like everyone was in the mix at the same time. Nobody was in a down period. It's pretty We all know the Patriots dominated for two decades, uh, but there's been some really bad teams in that division during that stretch. Maybe this is the year. Greg, uh, especially at the Patriots, you would think like the natural cycle of things, a team loses their franchise, legendary quarterback. They go d- into a down cycle for 10 years, but that doesn't really feel like that's where the Patriots are while the Dolphins, Jets rising and the Bills are awesome. So I feel like yeah. the Dolphins and Jets and Patriots are above average teams. The Bills are a juggernaut and the Jets are definitely better and going to be watchable. Like that's that's a maybe a year yeah. away. Maybe yeah, well, next I mean, year the Jets are there. Speaking of rises and fallers, I mean, Tua Tagovailoa looked fantastic yeah so good this has been a very positive month for Tua all right Arif you uh listen we have a a dossier that we keep for guests uh I don't know why we don't keep this information in-house I just share it freely uh that some people we have back some people we call hit it and quit it they don't come back we'd love to have you back (laughs) you are a perfect fit I don't even care if you're lying. That sounds great. I'd love to. Be- <laughs> you you don't know what it, it's like when we tell someone that they've made the hit it and quit it list at the end of their first appearance and that they'll never be back. Just the looks right. on their face. It's, it's uh, <laughs> they're like, you know, you didn't you didn't pay me for this. I, I am not. I should not be subjected to this additional. <laughs> it's a very bad podcast. Uh, but thank you for making it better, Arif, and uh, follow Arif on Twitter. Uh, and if you're a Vikings fan, that is the place to go. Uh, the athletic thank you buddy yeah thanks for having me on yeah peace there he goes good one good guess right there ricky how's the dossier coming because you would think after it kind of put you on the spot a little bit last week and you gave us the my dog ate my homework that maybe the file would drop into our text or email like later that day but still haven't seen it yeah she did did. did. oh it did yeah it had like two names well, on I'm it. The like, could not have taken too long to put together, but she did send it. Yeah, my did. my deepest apologies. Well, Eric. Greg did that too, actually, this morning. He yeah. sent me some. some like, where's the, I was like, where's the link? But no, she sent that's it last night. He, yeah. Greg asked me, he's like, can we get the links way earlier just so I can have it? And I'm like, of course, I'm not. I'm all, not you way know, earlier. It's just things. And you're nope, a, Greg, you're the, you produce the show and you often let send me, the link like well after the Greg, show. Let, her, to let, start. Her speak. let me Come speak. On. No, so I sent it last night at 7.47 p.m. Okay, and then Greg says at 1030 this morning, those early links for pods lasted about three weeks. Yeah. And I said, sent it last night. And I said, scroll up three messages and watch your tone. I I stand by my statement, though, because last because they were coming late last week. So you can't be a producer on this show if you you can't stick up for yourself. And Erica, you certainly do that. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> Greg trying to bully you. Come on, Greg. Please. Please.
Uh, and it is Mackay Beckton, together. it's Mackay. Yeah. But I like Mickey okay. Beckton. I th- yeah, I didn't know if that was a nickname. I thought he was like, I don't know. I didn't know if Arif somehow had some sort of insider like knowledge, <laughs> but probably not. <laughs> uh, all right. Did you have anything in your notebook there, Greg? Did you have uh, one more you wanted to throw out there? Um, no, we didn't mention... We didn't mention... I think we hit all the big ones. But Teddy played perfect uh, this week. I really got the sense, if you read between the lines, they were gearing up to name Drew Locke the starter. I think they wanted to um, going into the game. If you kind of read between the lines of some of the reporting of people we trust, like a James Palmer... Just felt like they were gearing up to do to, to name Locke the starter. But they had said, well, Teddy's going to start the second game. And then, oh, what happens? Teddy has, like, two perfect drives where he makes some great plays. After the game, Fangio, they compared him to Tom Brady and said he was doing some, like, elite next-level stuff. And uh, I was like, I've never heard Fangio talk that positively about any offensive player. If you look at, like, the PFF grades, like, Teddy has, like, an 83, and Locke has a 64. Locke kind of struggled in the relief appearance and now it feels like they don't know what to do so i don't know i don't know if that's a winner or a loser but i think they wanted to go lock and now they shouldn't allow a couple drives in the preseason to change their mind how can they not know but that's what you're saying that doesn't mean they are i mean i think you should base it on the body of work and they've they know these players and that teddy's the better choice personally but like it's they shouldn't base it on a, a drive or two but it felt like he made a significant uh, dent into that race. I don't know what they're going to do, though. Bridgewater led, as Greg noted, calling it perfect. There's always that little extra flair with Greg and Bridgewater talk. It's not that it was a really good performance. It was perfect. Uh, two touchdown drives and two possess- possessions, which I guess is perfect, if if that's uh, what the barometer is for being a quarterback. Nine of 11 passing for 105 yards and a touchdown. And Fangio, when asked about that QB decision, I mean, you could be listening to this now, and he might have already announced it because he said... It won't be Sunday, and it wasn't. The earliest it could be would be early next week. So we'll see. We'll see. I bet they start lock and they, they bench him like week three. That's my prediction. Yeah. I hope I'm that, wrong because I want to just ride this Teddy Broncos train uh, to the playoffs. This, uh, there usually is a team every year on this podcast. I guess it's kind of Team Batielli, um that – it was Wes, but like you and Mark will get aligned on the team and get super on fire about them. And I feel like the Broncos, but I kind of feel like that's what it was last August too. Yeah, well, Wes Wes has kind of been on the Fangio <laughs> Broncos. Uh, he he was on them early. I think they're, I think they've been setting up and building a lot of talent. They had a lot of bad luck last year with with injuries and and their quarterbacks, but now they have Teddy to save. Right. Well, the quarterback wasn't a bad, bad luck. It was just. Yeah, just bad, bad quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, we'll be back Wednesday again. Yes, the 17th annual fantasy extravaganza. Yes. Chock full of guests, including that big old fish, the large fish, the large tuna, Evan Silva. Um, so make sure you're there for that. And I guess we're keeping it a little open-ended uh, this week if if because we're going to keep it fantasy-focused on Wednesday, and maybe if we need another podcast later in the week, maybe it drops, you'll see. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, we'll have the NFL Network program as well returning. I believe that's on Thursday this week, right, Ricky? Correct. Okay, so uh, Fantasy Extravaganza Wednesday, 
NFL Network around the NFL broadcast on Thursday and will be on call otherwise for any other huge news that may develop in our league. Anything else, Greg? No, we might we might uh, finish this one in double digits. I do. I feel bad Mike, that's good. for Mark. He's had a tough weekend, and then the one show he's missing is the one that's sub one hour, which is all I mean, he's ever wanted. It's not even that tight. We're at 56. Remember back in the day, <laughs> we, we used to really debate, you know, go back and forth. I would try to keep it under 50. That was like my... <laughs> Magical. I was oh, like, Ricky, if, we, I if we could get can a you play 40. that clip, Ricky? A lot of the, a lot of people, you get a lot of buzz on Twitter. A lot of people are excited that our show is generally about a half hour, not those ninety-minute, you know, journeys of the ear that some of these other football podcasts are. You just cut not out thirty out seconds names. there. Dude, that was from 2013. That clip when we were doing some digging on the uh, West Dossier story. Erica came across that, uh, just just bloviating and bragging about. Uh, how our show is 30 minutes and all these other Football jabronis pops. are 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of guys just full of themselves. Can't, you know, don't get sick of hearing their own voice. No, now what have we, what have we become? It's important to defeat the monster that you do not become the monster. That it is the um, fans. Yeah, you know, Tito you were always, you were always on the corner of the fans. Fans never complain when it's longer, you know, never. I've so, never. The only person right that's ever that. complained, or some management figures, um, have complained about the length of the show. But the listeners, look at Dan trying to stretch it over an hour now. Yeah, he's he's gotta love those listeners. Now let's name all the countries that listen to this show. <laughs> Algeria. I'm just going down that scroll when you have when you're filling in some document online and you're looking for United States and it always starts in Algeria. There's like the em- uh, yeah, embassy in Jamaica. United Arab. Emirates. <laughs> yeah, Arab Emirates. All right, that's it. No, this is sub hour. We did it. Yep, this we did <laughs> Signing. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> Stan Hans is signing off for the old boss and Ricky Hollywood. Thank you to our reef. Until Wednesday, the extravaganza. Keep the call. <laughs>